It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. Newcastle travelled down to Southampton this Thursday, a midweek game. It was one of the rearranged games from the turn of the year. I'm joined as usual by John Gibson. And John, Newcastle still on that wave of optimism and positivity, still unbeaten in 2022 in the Premier League. And they face a Southampton side who were in pretty good form, but then got a battering off Aston Villa over the weekend, 4-0. Mm. So, given Newcastle's position in the league table, in the form table, given that result against Villa that Southampton did have, how confident are you that they can extend this unbeaten run? Well, I think there's a, a real, real chance of doing that. I mean, we face a huge task now. We're unbeaten in our last eight in the league, which is currently the longest run of any Premier League club. That's how good it's been. Now, it's now a matter of how far can we extend that eight-match unbeaten run. And it's a huge test because the next four are away. And they're not just away to anybody. They're away to Southampton, who on the day can be excellent. They're away to Chelsea, who are the world club champions. They're away to Everton, who are absolutely desperate for results. And the difficulty is they sometimes get them at home under Lampard. Man City only won 1-0 in order to have had a penalty for 1-1. But they're horrendous away. And then it's Spurs with Harry Kane and anything can happen there. You can win six, lose six. That's the way Spurs are. So it's going to be difficult to avoid defeating all four of those. But the run has been phenomenal. And um, they're playing a, a yo-yo side. I mean, Southampton are incredible. I mean, beginning the season, they didn't win one of their first seven. And then before they went to Southampton, they hadn't lost one of their last seven. And then they got coshed, not beaten, coshed. Um, so it's going to be intriguing. But uh, the important thing was we kept the run going against Brighton. And what made it hugely important was that the other, the four bottom clubs all got coshed. Um, Watford let in three at home. Burnley let in three at home and no Burnley let in four at home to Chelsea, Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, Norwich let in three at home Watford let in three at home um, Burnley let in four at home and Everton let in five so they not only lost but defensively each one of them was absolutely taken to bits we won that is uh, massive because we've got to remember the only yes we want to finish as high as we can but the one fight we've got this season is against relegation. And if those four stay down there where they are, we're OK. So they were four massive results, some of which might have slipped under our radar, mm. uh, and we won at the same time. And why I was pleased, apart from the results, was we won playing nothing like our top-notch game. Mm. Um, and that's a sign of a good side. When you can win without playing well, you know you're on a roll. You you know that the confidence is there, the fire in the belly is there. Because believe you me, we were past the death at times by Brighton, but we won two one. 
It's, it's a sign of, of a good side. It's What I liked was when Newcastle had the two chances early on, they put them in the back of the net. Obviously, Murphy hit the post, but Fraser was in the right place at the right time to make, make sure it, it did count. And then we saw, as you said, John, it wasn't a pretty performance by Newcastle. Brighton no. dominated. But they're the kind of games Newcastle would have lost previously. Oh, there's no question at all. Under Steve Bruce, we lose that. Under Eddie, when he first come, where we hadn't won for 11 games or something, and what he had at his disposal, we would have lost that. Uh, and so, in some ways, I got so much more comfort out getting a result under those circumstances. I mean, there were times when you thought... Wait a minute, have, I, have we turned the clock back? Is this the beginning of the season under Boos? I mean, we couldn't pass me to B at times under no pressure without giving the ball away. And it wasn't pretty at all. The first quarter of an hour was unbelievable. We couldn't, we couldn't get the ball. We got the ball twice in quarter of an hour and scored twice. And what that did, which was lovely, was it settled the crowd down. Even when we were playing poorly after that, we were 2-0 up. Now, had it been Norton, they would start playing us off the park. It could have been a different ball game. But when I look at Brighton, you can see what's wrong with Brighton. They're pretty, but not pretty effective. They, 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 they are terrific up to the edge of the box. They didn't really trouble Drobalka. And to be truthful, um, the goal they got, we give them. So, you know, they're not um, a ruthless side at all. I thought another important element from the game against Brighton was when the f- the fans started to get a little bit nervous. You know, yeah. a few groans here and there, misplaced misplaced pass from from certain players. Again, previously under Eddie Howe, under previous managers, that the players sometimes shrunk when that that that, that yeah. was heard because of course they're fully aware of that reaction from the fans. Sure. They didn't against Brighton, you know, and it, that, that's a justifiable reaction from the fans because they're going to feel nervous and they're sure. going to feel a little bit angry that pass sure. has gone where it's not but meant to. the wonderful to. thing, Andrew, was that whatever mistakes we were making, however averagely we were playing, however much we gave the ball away, we were 2-0 up. That's what changed it. The two goals in quarter of an hour set a platform for the rest of the day. I mean, how, when you've been on six games unbeaten, seven games unbeaten, and this becomes eight, how are you going to start slagging off the team when it's winning? You're not going to, and you're not going to want to. And there was rallying calls from the fans to get them over the line, and once they got back to 2-1, I mean, it was like the Alamo the last sort of ten minutes. They, In a way, it was very exciting and very emotional and very tenuous, only because we succeeded and we saw the game out and closed the game out. And... But yes, it was a totally different way to the way it has been. But it was good to see the camaraderie, the team spirit that was there, and the utter determination. And when the crunch came, certain players stood up, went up, stood up to the plate and did the job and dragged the rest of them with the help of the crowd over. Uh, you immediately think of Dan Byrne, who's just a colossus. I mean... He's as big as is Gray's Monument, and he ought to be on top of Gray's Monument for the job he's done here. And he's a Jody. You look at the other guy who's five foot four because he's run himself in the ground, Fraser, and once again Colossus. You look at Joe Linton. The midfield has set such a high standard of recent times that you it, it's almost difficult to keep that standard on block, keep it up. 
Joe Linton was the standout guy this time. I felt both Shelby and Willett weren't quite at the level they had been at, but uh, Joe Linton carried a lot of people on them broad shoulders, and those three set the example to get us over the line. Let's just talk about John Joe Shelby, because he did something not a lot of people saw coming, and that was he rela- released a statement apologising for his own performance. So for those who haven't seen it, it was released uh, on the Newcastle United Twitter account, and I'll just read it out, and I'll get John's mm. view on it. So he says, and I quote, We weren't at our best yesterday, but sometimes you have to grind out results. Credit to Brighton. I apologise for my own performance. I've actually watched the game back twice, but I dug deep, and I'm proud of my team for doing the same. I honestly thought the fans were absolutely fantastic, and it excites me what this place is going to be like in three or four years' time and to keep seeing the results you've had in the past eight games. But on a bigger scale, the sky's the limit. Mm. Good statement. Um, Honest statement. The statement that would be made by a player that knows Bruno's sitting on his shoulder because Bruno's going to get into this side. And I think (coughs) Bruno will start in one of these... We've got two games in three days. We'll go to Southampton... Thursday and then Chelsea Sunday. Looking at the way the team played, even though we won, and looking at the people on the bench, you've got to feel that Bruno and San Maximum will start in one of those two games. Uh, if it's not at Southampton, that it will certainly be three days later. Um, because you've got to spread the load in because the two quality players sitting on the bench. Um and then it's with we all know what'll happen with San Maximum. Dear old Murphy'll take the the dip, uh, and probably go out the side for for him and Fraser move across to the other wing. Who goes out the side for Bruno when he does start? The only thing I would say for certain is that it won't be Joe Lynn, because he's big, he's strong, he can pass it, uh, he he breaks things up. He is an Eddie Howe type of player. So either Willock or Shelby's got to go. You've either got to sacrifice Shelby's passing or Willock's goal threat and, and, and put Bruno in there unless you move Joe Linton out to the wing. And I don't think you want to do that because he's out the firing line. And in any case, why would you do that when you've got some maximum waiting to come in? So it would be interesting to see who will go for Bruno. Do you think that that's the reason he's released that? No, no, I was being slightly tongue in cheek, but uh, but I think everybody is aware of the fact that Bruno is going to come into this side at some stage, very, 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 very shortly, and everybody's talking about who it would who it will be for. Mm. When Bruno come, we thought that it was going to be Bruno and Shelby sitting just outside of the back four. Uh, spraying the passes and Willock wouldn't be in but Willock's come in with goals and while we are not getting automatic goals up top i.e. a centre forward can you afford to be without Willock's goal threat because we haven't got too many goal threats Mm, that's very true did you think Shelby played bad enough that it warranted him to apologise no not in the least he's been terrific recently as I say him and Willock Willock could have easily produced the same um, statement. Him and Willock, by their own high standards that they had set, dipped in this game. As I said before you read out the statement, the guy that kept them going in there was Joe Linton. 
um, who really did. Uh, so it could have easily been Willock saying the same thing. Um, what always worries me with with John Joe, and it's just a little smile, is when I when I see him not having his best of games, and he goes, the tackle doesn't work, and the guy breaks with the ball, and he suddenly gets up and chases him, and I'd think, please don't catch him, because you'll sigh them down from the back. He's trying to recover from his mistake, and that going to be round our box or worse in the box or worse. He's going to get a card. So I was that was another worry I was carrying at the time. But it's going to be interesting. What will happen on, on Thursday? Will will Howe go with the same team because we won and say to San Maximum and Bruno, regardless, you will start at Chelsea because it's only three days later and, and I need to spread the load. Or will he, will he change it now? It's an interesting one, isn't it, though? Because you you would automatically assume, and we will have a, a Chelsea preview episode, but you would automatically assume they go a bit more defensive against Chelsea, you know, because they're that, they're that good. Yeah. But Southampton also do carry a threat. They've got some very good good players. They do. And it, 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 against Brighton... Having said that, you know, how doesn't go ultra-defensive. No, I don't know no. if he knows how to. Uh, no, but I, I think... Tighten up, but Bruno, yeah. but Bruno will tighten up. But St. Maxman's the interesting one, because against Brighton, there were moments when... Eddie Howe was was having to you know tell St Maximum to get back and help out because Brighton were just oh that, that's one thing he doesn't do it's it's almost he reminds me a bit of that like Ginola mm. I used to talk to Beresford and say Beresford came six foot four and then was five foot four playing behind Ginola because he, he Beresford used to say Ginola stood on the touchline and combed his hair waiting for the ball to be passed back to him and he would do it in. That's what you get with ball players. How much work did Chris Waddle do going back, etc., etc. You've got to gamble, and you've got to decide whether you're well, going to gamble or not. With that in mind, you look at the Southampton game and go, "Well, there's more of a chance there." Or do you look at the Chelsea game and go, "We're only going to get a couple of chances to, to just to get down the field, let alone into the box." So is that when you play your star man like St. Maxim and try and hit them with that bit of quality? Yeah, that's why how gets a big box. You've, make them calls. you've got to, you've got to make that decision. I mean, what 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 will happen with some maximum? He'll get you up the park, and you might win a game you you want to draw because he produces a piece of magic. Or if you're behind, you might get the equaliser. I mean, you saw both sides of them against Brighton. We were under the cosh at two one against Brighton, and we were defending too deep. Both Tyndall and Howe on the touchline were urging them to come out, to come out, to come out. We just went back, 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 and that's and throw the ball to Brighton. That's and you've got three quarters of the pitch to play in. And the one outlet we had to get us up the park was him. And on a couple of occasions, the ball was played out to him, and he ran from just over the our eighteen-yard line to the eighteen-yard line. Albeit the last pass was poor on, on both occasions. But he terrified them and he produced moments that might have produced the mm. third goal and that. So he's somebody you've got to learn to live with if if you use him. And um yeah, it's just over I can't see the team staying unchanged as it has done for a long while, and justifiably so, over both the next two matches. But against Southampton specifically, are you keeping the same team? Are you bringing Bruno in? Are you bringing St. Maximum in? Terrific question. Terrific question. 
the only thing you would do the only is bring in um some maximum and or bruno uh and that's the difficult one because the one thing i would not want to do is sacrifice willick's goal potential out of the midfield because we haven't got a lot of goal potential uh chris wood hit a magnificent ball for the first goal uh, to set Murphy away galloping up the park and off the post but he never looked like scoring again um, and it's something like 28 games this season for three goals seven for us without a goal so you need the threat of people around him now is that threat coming from Fraser who's beginning to score a couple is it coming from San Maximum who's got five who's the, the top scorer of those available because Wilson isn't available on six or, or, you know, is it Willick? Um, and I don't know whether we can afford to be without the goal threat of Willick because where's the goal going to come from? And you wouldn't expect Shelby or Bruno to be goal scorers in particular. Bruno's game is more defensive, breaking it up, making certain you play next. Good feet, good vision. But he doesn't go like Willick into the box and finish. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, lots of tension on that team sheet. Now, Southampton, as we mentioned, they got thumped off Aston mm. Villa. And Ralph Hazelton has talked about getting back to basics. He was uh, quite rightly fuming at the way his side performed. Um, I'll just read out a couple of quotes that came out after the Aston Villa defeat. He said, we are demanding a high level and we have set ourselves a level with the performances we have shown in the past. The important thing is we know how we have reached this level with such performances, but we have to have the basics, the, fundament, the fundamentals to reach this level. We have to be better in duels. And um, he goes on to say that the missed uh, Seleucid Aston Villa, uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he comes back and he says, and definitely there were some areas where we were struggling in the first half. And then... Uh, Asked about the up and coming games, he says we now have a chance to start the next run and we have to show the reaction now against Newcastle. It is a chance to do it and we will show a different face. So he's clearly expecting a reaction, but that's what he's going to say. He's not, you know. It is what he's going to say, but when you've got what Southampton got, you're walking a fine line. They're not Liverpool, they're not Man City, who are. Um, and they're walking a fine line. When they are all on blob, when they scurry and harry for each other, when they support each other, when they press high, when they have the right attitude, they're such a difficult side to beat. They punch above their weight. But if any one of those things drops, then they drop. They've got to keep that intensity the whole time. They started the season with um, uh, first seven games, didn't get a win. Now, just before uh, Villa... They hadn't lost in seven. And if you remember, their manager is one of the people that was put up with Howe for manager of the month because of the, the two unbeaten runs they both had. And then they get absolutely coshed because they let standards drop. And ironically enough, they were coshed 4-0. And Gerard said that but for a Geordie lad, Fraser Foster, it would have been eight. Mm, I mean, so he played well and they let in four. The space at the back was unbelievable. Oh. Like Just watching it on, on match the day. We then had hoped for that again. <laughs> Though they have lost nine at home, you know, when they played Leicester a few years back under the current manager. I'm not expecting that. We Chris Wood to grab nine. seven of them. 
Sorry? Chris Wood to grab seven of them. Yeah, and that's a pink pig's just thrown past your window, by the <laughs> way, Andrew. <laughs> well, what is interesting is if you remember back when this game was postponed, Ralph Hazelhuton was not very happy and he was making a lot of noise about the January trans window yes, and how players signed shouldn't be able to play. Ironically enough, you know, only two of them will probably well three of them will be will be starting um because there's a good chance Bruno won't obviously Kieran yeah. Trippier yeah. not not available um yeah but I mean there were interesting comments back then oh yeah there were comments of a biased man and we're all biased by the way we all support our own teams but he knew he wasn't going to buy in January because they haven't got the the money or the inclination at boardroom level to do that so you're bound to say let's play it the way. But how long's a piece of string? Life isn't like that. I mean, you know, you can have... We could have had everybody available for the original game in six injuries for this game, and, and, and therefore the, we are further weakened. You can't, you know, make a, a square into a round uh, just because it suits you. We did say a lot, and I, I hope that... How he remembers that and perhaps mentions it to one or two of the players before we go out there. Well, it's set up nicely for Chris Wood to grab that first goal, isn't it? <laughs> it's always set up nicely for Chris Wood to get his first goal. I just keep praying. My knees are getting very muddy and very sort of uh, wrinkly through me praying before every game. Mainly for Chris to score because it will ease the pressure on him, etc., etc. But, you know, I don't want to be critical of either Wood or of Newcastle because they're on a magnificent run and let's all be grateful for that but he doesn't look like scoring he, he gave a terrific ball uh, to play in Murphy when we were on the break etc etc but perhaps I've been spoiled I've sat in a press box at St James's Park and watched Supermac and watched Alan Shearer and watched Jackie Milburn and, and, and watched um, Andy Cole and Les Ferdinand and, you know, forwards where you would say, I tell you what, we can get played off the park. If we played Brighton we were exactly the way we did, with one of them at centre-forward, we would have won four or five because they would have stuck things in. It's harsh to, to sort of compare uh, every player with legends. Um, but, you know... We're lacking goals and a £25 million centre-forward. You want to chip in occasionally. It's seven games for us now without a goal. And he hasn't really produced great saves from the keepers in those seven games. But hey, let's concentrate on what's going well. We are going well. If we had gone like at the beginning of the season, he would have got massacred. Mm. With seven games with no goals, well, he would have got massacred. A fickle game, isn't that's but, what they say. You know, I, I I'm desperate for him to score, but I've got to be, you've got to be truthful. What these old eyes say is what they say, and uh, he hasn't looked like scoring. It'd be marvelous. I hope he goes down there and scores a hat trick. It wouldn't that be wonderful? One would be wonderful, but I don't I don't see it. Fingers crossed what you don't see actually does happen, though, and he does. Yes, it, and, these, and this does goal. happen. By the way, we were looking at uh, Shelby, we were looking at Joe Linton, we were, we were looking at Fraser and saying, have these guys got anything at all? And look how they turned out. So perhaps um, Wood's moments still to come. Mm, fingers crossed. Um, we're going to finish on some questions from our listeners. You can get in touch via email. 
the email address is the eibw podcast at reachplc.com just throw in your questions any feedback there and we'll we like to read them and get through the best of the questions the first one john is from paul and he asks about the now famous uh photographs in the dress room after Newcastle yep. United have won games what you make of them you know a lot of national critics have done just that they've been critical of it yeah it's they look it's great who, I, the, who the, cares what, what yeah. the, the, the people the, say the, but they're, yes they're doing it a bit tongue-in-cheek i think as well they know that some people have criticized it and they've gone you know we'll keep rolling with it but as eddie house says it's about the culture it's about enjoying that moment and you know everyone's together Ed, Ed, eddie how early doors when he was building bournemouth into what they become did exactly the same of course, the trouble is, they're Bournemouth, nobody cares. I mean, the rest of the country doesn't care. Bournemouth might care, but the rest of the... You know, the club isn't big enough for the rest of the country to go, what are they doing that for? Newcastle with 52,000 and Saudi owners are big enough. And you get the old cynical thing. We're an easy target. Look, they're celebrating a win when they've never won a trophy for 856 years. Like, you know, ha-ha, cynical, cynical. Um it's something that they did because we'd waited a long time for the first win when we, when we did get it with Howe. And it's something that then becomes a symbol. And if you're winning, why not keep doing whatever you're doing? Whatever small thing that may... And it's a togetherness. I mean, I saw the photograph. Everybody's on it. I mean, I'm surprised that the lady that makes a coffee wasn't on it. I thought that was a real snub, that was, that she wasn't on it. But there we are. We had big Derek Wright, my old mate, who's been on the, uh, on the phys- one of the physios at Newcastle since I was covering them in the 60s um, when they won the, the first cup. There he was on the picture. There was Trippier waving his, his crutches around. Uh, everybody was on. By anyhow, I don't think he goes on them, which is interesting. But I know what they're doing. The fact that they're released these days with social media, they're bound to get released. Hey, I want to keep seeing these photographs. You know why? Because we've won when they're taken. Mm. You don't, you're not going to see a photograph like that if we lose at Southampton. You know, I think I'm gonna just double check here. I'm sure sh- was Eddie Howe on the last. I'm sure Eddie, yeah, Eddie Howe is. He's on the shoulder of Kieran Trippier in this one. Is he? Oh, he's got yeah. his cell phone, and so yeah. he should. By the way, he's playing so much of a part in in what's happened in Newcastle United. Yes, it's an eye opener. You do cringe a little bit. You say, "Oh dear me, what's you know?" It's like I I said at Gateshead when we played Newcastle in a in a preseason friendly and I said we'll we'll do a lap of honour if we get a corner we're playing the entertainers first team with Ginola and Mm. I said we'll do a lap of honour boys if we get a corner because we're not going to get a goal so it's like is it over celebration and yes we're handing fodder to the rest of the country but do we really care we we don't hand fodder to the rest of the country but to find it somewhere with everything we do is is worth a little slap um, mm. because that's where we are looked upon uh, as followers of failure who have now got Saudis and the richest club in the world and that sticks in a lot of crows so we're bound to, and really it's water off a duck's back. I'm just looking at the photograph yeah and it's just it just makes you smile doesn't it I mean I'll just turn the screen around John it just it just makes you smile when you see it. Oh it does but I mean it, it is true that if we actually win when we win the FA Cup which will be our first trophy we will win in this reign 
you'll not get a picture that is more joyous than the one you've got there. Mm. Um, and that was for winning the match. Well, um, but that's the, that's the way it is. I mean, not at the end of the season when we stay up, everybody would say, isn't that wonderful? But it does make one or two people uh, get cynical about it. But not me. There's been plenty bad old days. I'll accept a bit over the top. What I love, Dan Burns' face, Look, and, and Jacob Murphy as well. You've got two Newcastle United fans there just living the absolute dream. You know, they're part right. of this club. The dream, the dream of beating Brighton 2-1 when they were played <laughs> off the park. I, 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 was more, I was more thinking about the potential of where the I know exactly go. what you were thinking about, yes. And a wonderful example of what this club is all about, always has been about, and now is again, mm. is Big Dan Burn. And also it's a symbol as well for the unity and the team spirit, not just within the squad. Oh, that's the idea of doing it, isn't yeah. it? That's Eddie's idea of doing it, is that we're all in it. Mm. I mean, the physios, the three, four physios, the, the kit man. The player liaison and officers. Got, yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's Any, great to see. Everybody's in it. Um, and that is that is good, and we know what that's about. Um I just want to keep seeing those pictures. I don't want to go four weeks without one because that means we haven't won. Yeah, so Southampton then. Oh, no, we have got a few other questions, actually. Um, we've got one here from uh, from Davey, and he asks about Dan Byrne, obviously being in terrific form, and he, he asks about a potential England call-up for Dan Byrne. Interesting, that one. Um, I think, had, had he been 26, I think it would have almost been a shoo-in because um, he would have a long future in front of him. He's 29 and has never got anywhere near the England team. But if you close off the birth certificate, if you close off everything else and you look at the guy's form and his form at Brighton before he come to us, then there's nobody going to be playing better. And therefore, the, the simple answer is, why not? I don't think we're sort of saying that he's going to go to Qatar later this year and rip up the World Cup, simply because he's coming from uh, further back than the rest of the field. And, and Southgate is very loyal to his troops in a way that uh, Eddie Howe is loyal to his troops at Newcastle United. But I would say that Bernie's England class right now without a shadow of doubt. What I like about him as well is that he's an honest-to-goodness, old-fashioned centre-half who knows how to defend and doesn't get to the situation where he suddenly thinks he's Bobby Moore and uh, do what Bruno did, uh, which is dribble around his own penalty area, which almost put uh, give us all a heart attack uh, against Brighton. But of course, Bruno is uh, in possession. Bruno was a, a midfielder that got the ball in his own penalty area and forgot where he was. He just got the ball and right, my, I'll sway past everybody. And you'll not catch Dan Byrne doing that. Dan Byrne has his feet on the ground and he, he defends well and therefore is a huge example but we've got great examples now you know we didn't used to have them we've got potential skippers all over the place Trippier is obvious Dan Byrne is obvious Target once he becomes our player rather than uh, on loan is obvious potential to be a, a skipper but right now he's a leader as Byrne is uh, and and um, as trippy as when he can, and none of them are, are skipper. 
Yeah, well, there's a, a deal in principle for my target. You can read the story from Lee yeah. Ryder on our website, chroniclelive.co.uk. And, and just to finish off, John, we've got a few questions along the same lines, so I'm just going to yeah. kind of summarise it. And it is, are Newcastle United safe from the drop? I would never say yes to that now with about 10 games, whatever it is, to go because you're inviting trouble. But I am utterly convinced and have been for a while that we're not going down. <coughs> I mentioned to you that the bottom four sides had all lost while we beat Brighton and lost leaking goals in the way we used to. They all, nobody let in less than three goals in three of the four sides at the bottom were at home and they let in three, four and five goals. Uh, so they're in big trouble. We're not mathematically safe yet, but we're not going down. And we're not playing as though we're going down. And when we got to a situation where we almost played like that against Brighton, we dug in and got the three points. <coughs> I don't think we're going to be relegated at all. Um, but nonetheless, and Eddie Howe will make certain this happen, let's keep our foot on the accelerator. And, and let's be saying, in four games' time, when we've played four away games on the bounce, we're still in a good position, and then we can well say. Because remember, we've got four away games where theoretically the picture can change because you're away. And then our run-in is, not in this order, is Liverpool, Arsenal, Man City, and on the last day, Burnley. Now, that's a difficult run-in. Mm. So it, it, what's coming up, you know, let's not count our chickens. We're not home. You know, when you see people um, having a, a cigar going down the home straight in, in the 1,500 metres and somebody passes them on the outside. If you're an old so-and-so like me, you remember Devon Locke that went around 30, 40, 50, 60 jumps in a Grand National and he, he could see the winning post and he decided to sit down and see the race off. When, uh, when Dick Francis was his jockey and he lost. I mean, when it was impossible, things can happen. And so let's not... We've tinkered and flirted and gone down twice on Dashley. So let's not count our chickens to a home. But I would be absolutely staggered now if Newcastle went down. I don't think there's any chance. But I want to go to Everton and make certain they go down. Mm. And, uh, I, and then I want to get Crystal Palace when it's rearranged and just give them a smacking for the sake of it, etc., mm. etc. Et I guess the important thing is it's in Newcastle hands now. Totally. You know, they've done totally. enough to it. I honestly sure don't think they're, they're going to go down at all, Andrew. But I don't like to say so. Yeah. With four away games and with the run-in that I just showed, let's protect ourselves against them. Mm. And, and therefore, let's get something in these away games. Let's get something at Southampton. Let's try to beat Everton. And certainly Spurs, you can thrash them or get thrashed. Uh, so, you know, let's keep the foot on the accelerator. And on that, how will it end against Southampton? Great question. You can make out a case for a win, lose and draw, can't you? L looking at the opposition yeah. as well. Looking at the, the opposition on a good day. Um, I think it'll be a draw, which means we'll keep it on, beat and run going. Um, I would rather, I think I, if I could have that now or take me chance, I would probably take the draw uh, because it keeps the run going. And at some stage, this run's going to finish. And at some stage, if you look at the logic, it'll probably be in the four games. 
you lose one, you know, you lose at Chelsea or you lose at Spurs. So, you know, this run at some stage and then you've got to bounce back and come again. But I, I, I'm looking for us to get a point at Southampton and I th that would be, I think, a good result. I think they're going to win Newcastle. I think they're going to come back with three points. That would be even better. But just to finish on the point you made, at some point Newcastle are going to... Oh, there's no question. Beat. There's no question. But the important thing is, in that instance, it's about the performance, I think. like We all know that's going to happen at some point. But what you want to see is, you want to see them still putting in 100%. You want to see them yeah. giving the opposition I mean, a game. We, if we were going to lose Andrew, we'd say Chelsea because of the World Club Champions. You want to lose 2-1 and, and have really dug in and played terrifically. Yeah. You don't want to lose 5-0 like Everton did at Spurs and, and not raise a gallon. Or that training game it, under Steve Bruce a few seasons ago when it was yeah, not even worth turning up at, at, But I mean, the, the interesting thing was when having not played well against Brighton but won, etc., etc. We were in on the Sunday. Yes. Uh, we were in on the Sunday. Would that have happened over Steve Bruce? We didn't come in on the Monday and Tuesday or something. I mean, the side was infinitely unfit, that side, and it showed in results. We couldn't see out games because our fitness went in the last quarter of an hour. And you get the feeling as well, you know, the fact they're being called in on a Sunday after, after winning a game. Mm. Back to that picture, you know... You, they're happy to. They want to come in. They want to spend that time and, you know... You see, what what I, what I believe Eddie sees is exactly what the Southampton manager was talking about. When we play to all our strengths, when we, when we press high, when we show enthusiasm, when we show work rate, when we dig in, when the going's against us, when we've got this camaraderie, we are very difficult to beat. But if we let one of those things drop which is what Southampton did at Aston Villa, then we can get coshed. Because you're good, but you're not excellent. Uh, that'll come in the summer with the summer transfers. But we are in the same boat as Southampton now. We've got to fire on all five cylinders, then we're OK. If we fire on four of them, or three of them, we can be in trouble, and that's what Southampton did at Aston Villa. And they'll be looking to climb back on the horse against us which is why I think a draw would be a good result. I half go down the, the road where um, where we win, and we are getting greedy. We, we didn't get away win in about five months, and then we've we've won at Leeds. We drew at West Ham when we could easily have won. Uh, we beat Brentford, and now we want to beat Southampton, Chelsea, Everton, and Spurs. And I know there's a wonderful saying, which is why not, but uh, I'm looking for... A good return over those games and a, a good show. Because defeat's going to come at some time and it's not the end of the world. It's how it comes and how we react in the next game. Fingers crossed it doesn't come for quite a while. Yep. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep up date with all the latest Castanet news. And do remember to like and subscribe to the podcast to wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs>